Welcome to another episode of 360 Degrees, part of the Urban Breakdown Network. It is February 10th, and uh, we are moving right along here. So I'll tell you what, we got a lot of stuff to, usually I talk about my old man stuff, <laughs> but we got a lot to talk about today. Odie, how are you today? I'm doing well, thanks for asking. Oh, all right. Uh, yeah. What you got for us today? All right, so... Speaking of old man stuff, um, <laughs> Kanye and Ozzy Osbourne. I did not have this on my bingo card for 2024, but um, as as the internet is saying, like 2024 has come in very hot. Um, I mean, because January belonged to Cat and February belonged. February is still a work in progress, but Cat Williams came kicking in the door. Um, for the month of January. Um, this little rumbling uh, has like just happened. It looks like it might still technically be developing. But basically, it all started when Ozzy Osbourne said Kane West, by the way, so this they whoever posted this, I'm sure on Ozzy's behalf, misspell Kanye's name it says Kane West ask and this is all caps so it's funny because I used to get on my dad about this I'm like daddy stop typing in all caps like that means that you're yelling like right stop. <laughs> um but uh the, the caption says ask for uh Kane West ask permission to sample a selection selection is also misspelled well maybe they meant section but either way it's still misspelled of a 1983 live performance of War Pig. Merce, you know that song? Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I figured. I was like, honestly, like, I kind of picked this out for you because I was like, oh, I know, like, I'm I'm pretty sure Merce is familiar with Ozzy's music. Any case, uh, War Pig from the U.S. Festival without vocals and was refused permission because he is an anti-Semite and has caused untold heartache to many. He went ahead and used the sample anyway at his album listening party last night. I want no association with this man. So a couple of things here worth noting, uh, because it's important to, to highlight that last sentence, I want no association with this man. So you don't want no parts. That to me speaks like you don't, you just don't want to be associated with him. My thing is, the other part that I want to note about that is, well, how you know what he was listening to at the listening party? Somebody yeah. probably told him. Okay, so you're associated with people that want parts of him. Well, well, put it like this: here now, this is just speculation on on this on this part here. Now, War Pigs was uh, that, that was a Black Sabbath song. Ozzy was the lead singer and and lead songwriter back then, and um. More than likely, I don't know uh, how deep ASCAP is into these things, but usually if your song is used in stuff, uh, I think that they may notify you and say, hey, here, your song was used there. You remember the old beef between, um, it's not really a beef because it's just kind of one-sided between DJ Premier and uh, Chuck D. And it wasn't like a real beef. It was just like uh, when they used Chuck's Added. voice sample on 10 Crack Commandments, and Chuck didn't care, but 
because Chuck was not the only songwriter on that song, the other songwriters sued. You know, so it may be something like that. I I really seriously doubt that Ozzy Osbourne is checking up on what Kanye's doing. I would I'm, I'm I would bet I'm sure I'm sure Yona. somebody brought it to him for sure. Yeah, somebody brought it to him for sure. But my thing is like it was a listening party. It wasn't like it could be a listening party and it still not make the album. Because remember, he was doing like a whole series of listening parties. And the album never came out or it came out like several months later or right. something like that. So like it's to me, that's no different than a mixtape. Like it doesn't really count um, because it didn't make the cut. You see what I'm saying? As far as like album and getting we're not getting into Sue territory. If you heard it at a listening party again, that doesn't mean that it's going to make the album. It might have got cut. Yeah. But if he had asked permission and was denied permission, and still then, used it anyway. Yeah, I mean, he probably, well, he, probably well, asked for, he probably asked for permission after he made the song anyway. Well, that it, it usually happens like that. Like yeah. I remember, um, uh, I don't know if it was MC Ren or one of one of the people from NWA. They did a song. Uh, uh, I forget the name of the song. It was one of their raunchy sex songs, and it used a Herbie Hancock sample. They'd already made the song. Uh, DJ Yellow was talking about it. They'd already made the song. And once Herbie Hancock heard yeah. the song, he was like, you cannot use my music for this. Please remove remove my my sample. Mm -hmm. And they had to dead, then they had to change the entire beat. So maybe it was one of the things where Kanye just figured, okay, well, we'll just and here's the thing. I don't know. I, I mean, you figure I, I I I'm not a fan of Sharon Osbourne lately, but if it wasn't for Sharon Osbourne, Ozzy would be dead decades ago. Sure. Like she, she's keeping it. She's literally well, she like could be a trash person and be a great wife. Like, yeah. you well, know, and not, and not just a great wife. She was a great. I mean, she's also his manager. Yeah. Like you, you figure when, when they created uh, Ozfest, it was because Sharon was trying really hard to get Ozzy into Lollapalooza, and they would yeah. not let Ozzy do Lollapalooza. She was like, "Well, screw you guys. We'll make our own festival." <laughs> And then they just made Ozfest. The only reason why Ozfest is not around anymore is because of the pandemic. But Ozfest was a huge festival every year yeah. until the pandemic. So I'm it's, sure I'm sure they could bring it back if they wanted to. So I'm pretty sure if Ozzy wasn't checking for it, maybe Sharon was. You know, she handles all that stuff. So, mm, speaking of Sharon, so uh, this was Kanye's response, and that's. That's what I, this is where I said, that's why I'm, far be it from me to defend Kanye West on anything, mm -hmm. but even a broke clock is right twice a day, as they say. And um, yeah, I think he had a valid clapback and I said, touche, touche nigga. Uh, so this was his response. He said he obviously has a celebrity handle handler who's on his account. And he posted a picture of, it had to be just this past Halloween because of what what they're wearing. It's a picture mm -hmm. of Sharon dressed as the wife uh, or the alleged wife of Kanye. I don't know her name, but where she had on that that outfit or whatever. I don't oh, know. That, that, that weird ass Jetsons outfit? 
No, not that one. Uh, but basically, Sharon's posing maybe naked or like wearing just underwear, but but she's being shielded by a pillow. I'm gonna send you the picture. I'm, but I'm descri describing it for our our listeners here. Uh, but basically, it's a picture where Kanye was like going through that phase where he was wearing all black all the time, but like covering his face. Yeah, and he would wear like the Pusheisty mask. So there's like a picture. I do remember when they were kind of moving like this, um, Kanye and his wife. But basically the clapback is, look, bro, you, you dressed up as me for Halloween. What the fuck are you talking about? Again, you want no parts of this man. You want no association with him. Yet here you are dressed up as him for Halloween. Like, nigga, you a fan. Or your wife is. Like... Because you could have been any other celebrity couple, but you picked Kanye and his wife. Like, out of all the people you could have dressed up as. Yeah, and they probably just did it. I mean, I'm not defending Ozzy on that part of it, but I mean, Kanye is a public figure. And being, like, just poking fun at a public figure and doing business with them is two different things, in my, in my eyes. So, you know, I think, honestly, I think it's just, The reason I think it's just as bad is because at the end of the day, and again, I like far be it for me, I'm not a Kanye fan and I typically do not defend him. But the reason I'm still going to give Ozzy smoke over this is because you said you don't want no parts of this man, no association. That means you don't want to be mistaken for him. You don't want to think about him. You don't want to talk about him. Like this is, this is even worse because now like, You're technically gaining engagement and Kanye don't get no parts of it. So you get to be associated with him, but he can't be associated with you. And that to me is like worse. Because <laughs> basically, like, let's say, um, you know, he did a video. Ozzy did a video clip of. him and Sharon interacting as Kanye and his wife for Halloween mm -hmm. and put it on his YouTube channel. He's getting paid off of that. It might not be a lot of money, but you're getting paid off of the likeness or you're getting paid off of being associated with Kanye West. So technically it, it's all business. It's all business. When you're both public figures like that, it's all business all the time. So, I feel Kanye. That's why I said touche, touche, motherfucker. Because well, you could be anybody. Well, well, be that as it may, he still don't got permission to use the song, so he got it. He yeah, still he doesn't now. Did it make the cut? I don't know. I only heard one song off the album. Um, I do hope that Kanye listened to. If he don't listen to nobody else, listen to your lawyers, because I I won't defend that. Like at the end of the day, he publicly denounced you and said that. You can't use this sample. Once Ozzy said that, that's that should be the end of it. But maybe he put it at the listening party because it was private or whatever. So, but it shouldn't have made the album. If it is on the album, you you ain't gonna get no pushback from me. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> it shouldn't be up there. I I I'll I'll talk this up to Ozzy as. And I, I, I'm pretty sure Ozzy did his own tweet because it's in all caps. So I'm pretty sure he did his own tweet and didn't have somebody on the media team make it for him. 
I would have put it down as poor choice of words. But Kanye still, oh God, it it's giving me acid reflux to say he has a point. Oh my God, my my, my I'm chest. telling you, that's what I'm saying. Like uh, he has a point. I I, I could just feel the bile in my mouth, but it's it's just it's just a poor choice of words on Ozzy's part. He's 75 years old. I'm just gonna give him the the the, the benefit of the doubt, but he but he really should have his tweets run through a media team just because of that. Yeah. You know? Agreed. Agreed. So we'll see what happens now. Um, Just before we move on to our next topic, like I said, I only heard one song from the album um, and it's a song with Northwest. There was like, um, I did like the beat and these, these kids, these generate this generation of kids, <sighs> I just feel like they're they are gonna level up. Um I'm not a fan of whatever Drake is doing with Adonis. Like I think Adonis should explore more <laughs> more artistic things. Maybe he didn't inherit that artistic gene from from Drake. Um maybe take more after his mama, I don't know. Um, but I do feel like Nor uh Northwest is a very talented little girl. Like she did a, she posted like a clip of her doing some makeup or whatever. Um, and the transitions and she was just having fun on TikTok, you know, like I think she's like at this point, nine, 10 years old, but she's really, really talented. And um, this, just being allowed to explore, like being rich and then pouring into your kids to see what sticks, like see what they're into. I think is a really cool thing that we're seeing with these celebrity parents now. And um I like I like North's little verse. Like she said, you know, she says things like, um, it's Miss Westy, I'm your bestie, don't test me, it's gonna get messy. Like she she stayed on that little wave for a little bit, and I was like, okay, like I, I see you, North. Um, so that was one song I heard, but mm. I'm not sure about the rest of the album, but I'll give it a listen and follow up with you guys next week. Well, you're a better person than me because I ain't giving Kanye none of my clicks. <laughs> well, I got a click. He got a click by proxy. Um, not going to lie. My husband's a fan. My husband is a huge fan. So he was um, definitely excited because the album had been pushed back, I think, multiple times. So when it finally came out, I was like, oh, okay. Like, but that but that particular song did catch my ear. So. I mean, I, I own Kanye's first three albums, and I'm not going to be one of those people who's going to, one of these right-wing dingbats who are going to be like, oh, Kanye, and just snap a CD in half. I, I paid money for that thing. I'm not breaking my No, it's still good music. I listened to that album earlier this week, last week. And that's kind of the tragedy of it, is that those first three albums are hip-hop classics, and that can't be taken away. I forgave Ada Ways and Heartbreaks because that was the album he put out after his mom passed. So I'm just like, okay, I, I forgive this one and everything else. And I always get my my dark, beautiful, twisted fantasy, whatever the fuck the name of that album is, thrown back in my face when I say that only his first three were good. And then they always come back, but what about dark, twisted fantasy? I'm like, what about it? The album was mid at best. But then I found out that Ada Ways and Heartbreaks inspired the mumble rappers as far as how they structure their beats, which mm -hmm. made me hate it even more. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I mean, here's the thing, you know, 
I, I'm not one of those people who are just like, I don't like you, so you should fail. I mean, Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I, Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. Like I'm 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 not giving you any clicks, but if you're a fan, you're a, like like my niece was afraid to tell me that she was a Drake fan because he knows I don't like Drake. I'm like, you can like who you like. I'm not gonna be like, oh, you like Drake, you suck. <laughs> you know, it's you like who you like. You know, I get ragged on for some of the shit I listen to, so it's it's all fair game. You know, we can we can we can rag on each other about our musical tastes or our football teams or what have you. It's all in good fun. No one's gonna hold it against you if you're a Drake or a Nicki Minaj fan. And if they do, they're idiots. It's 2024. Grow up, people. Jesus Christ. Exactly. Agreed. Agreed 100%. Well, uh, I'm going to transition into our other hot topic of the week. Uh, we, we have heard that the Club Shay Shay has been the hot spot. Um, and this, this interview was no different. So, um, this time though, we have Monique who decided to appear on Club Shay Shay oh and speak her truths. Um, and it's, it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a click, but I do want to play the whole thing. So let me just let Monique put you know, put put her words out there and we'll listen in. Kevin Hart. And you know when Cat Williams said gatekeepers? Yeah. Kevin Hart. Mm -hmm. I do his um, podcast. Yes. And I want y'all to re-listen to the podcast so you can hear it for yourself. When he first comes on, he says, you're like my mother. You're like my aunt. You're like my sister. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then we do the podcast. We speak about the Tyler Perry situation. Oprah Winfrey, he said, I don't really know Oprah, but I'm going to reach out to Tyler. Appreciate that. Kevin kept his word. He reached out to Tyler Perry. Kevin Hart called me back about maybe a week or so later. He said, Mo, I talked to Tyler. He said he don't want to revisit it. He said, but I tell you what, let's move past that, Mo. Let's just move past that and let's just do great things. So whatever. That's you, what Kevin said. I want you to hear me, Kevin Hart. Let's move past that, Mo. Let's do some great things together. Don't even worry about it. Whatever y'all want to do, I will partner with you. I'll executive produce with you. You just let me know what you want to do. Now, let me say that before we go any further, because I want to make sure I give Kevin Hart his proper credit. When my family was up against the wall, Kevin Hart wrote us a check and said, here you go. We're forever grateful for that. When we were able to give it back, we said, brother, we appreciate you with some interest on top because I don't ever want nobody to think that my husband. So I want to make sure I put that out there. That that brother really helped us out when we needed to be helped out. Then when he came back with, I got you. I didn't ask Kevin Hart to do anything. He said, I'll executive produce. I'll partner with you. I said, good shit, Kevin, because we're in a deal with Endemol and we're trying to get our talk show back. Mo, whatever it is, I got you. Now, Kevin Hart is one of the biggest entertainers right now in the world Correct. right and was then we got off the phone with kevin hart we called in the mall immediately and said kevin hart said whatever we want to do he got us he's gonna partner executive use they was like oh this is incredible because when you put kevin hart name on it you already know what it is right two weeks go by we get a call from in the mall in the mall says we just got a call from kevin hart's manager dave becky and dave becky said kevin doesn't want anything to do with monique 
So whatever she told y'all, he doesn't want to do anything with her, nothing. You know, he doesn't want any any kind of relationship with Monique. So what changed between the two weeks and when, and, and plus he gave you a check, you gave the money back, then said he would partner with you, executive produce, whatever you need, Mo, hey, we got you. So what transpired or what do you think transpired between then that two that two week period? Well, soon as we got off the phone and they told us what Kevin manager David Becky said, I called Kevin Hart immediately. I said, hey, baby, we just got off the phone with Endemol and they said Dave Becky called them up and said, you don't want anything to do with me. He said, Mo, that's that's a miscommunication. I can tell you right now. I said, wait a minute. Are you OK, though, with this white man calling them up? Getting in between our relationship after something you said, he said, Mo, um, that's a miscommunication and we're going to talk Tuesday. Don't worry about it. I I'm telling you right now, it's a miscommunication. That was two years ago. If you talk to him, I talk to him. I've never talked back to Kevin Hart again. So I do want to say a couple of things um, before I resume the, the rest of that. That was some real Hollywood shit. I 100% believe her because Hollywood people move like that. It's a lot of fakery and fuckery going on. What do you think, Merce? You know, it, it, it kind of, I, 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 at one point, you know me and my analogies. And I had an analogy thinking about, like, you know, what, what Monique was saying. And, and I'm not even going to mention it because it, it's way off after hearing her speak the rest for peace it kind of reminded me a little bit of and i want to make sure i have the name right uh mary wilson she was a motown artist yeah 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 she was in the um supremes yeah mm -hmm. and i remember um you know mary had her, her her issues and stuff like that and it was one of those i i always joke about how like Smokey robinson was like the sole survivor of the motown meltdown like david ruffin and all these other people marvin gate mm -hmm. all these other people who were just you know decimated by drugs and bad deals and stuff like that so they said when mary came back to uh motown right and she talked to barry gordy and barry gordy was like you know all right, Mary, we on, we on, you know, I'm glad you're back, but we know we'll get you set up, you know, just, just, uh, just go on home and then I'll call you and then we'll get everything taken care of. And she said that she never heard from Barry Gordy again. Like it was just the end of it. He just wanted to get out of the office and like, all right, peace out. And then just never called her again, you know? And, um, I, I, I need to, I need to find that clip. Cause I think that was in one of those Motown documentaries. Oh, and, okay. So I, I gotta I gotta see if I could find that clip to see if they ever reconciled after that. But it was just like uh it, it kind of reminded me of that. I mean, I know I don't know they I mean you, you said they they worked together before, right? And here's my thing, right? Maybe it was something more along the lines of of a Jay-Z and Dame Dash thing, where it's like now Jay-Z is running in different circles. And now he sees Dame Dash as a liability as opposed but to that. That couldn't have transpired in two weeks, though. That's the problem. Yeah, I yeah. I'm, 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 I'm kind of reaching here. So I, I need to know. Uh, I think there is something that's not being said. Because you don't just turn on somebody like that mm -hmm. for no reason. There's got to be a reason. And I, I feel like it's one of those like those old movies where it says scene missing. <laughs> on the real, that's what it kind of feels like because, you know, people don't do things. I mean, Kevin Hart may be a lot of things, but I, I don't feel that like he's a sociopath. 
that he'll just do things No, for just like, because. I don't think he's a sociopath, but, like, I think that at the end of the day, like, you lied. And just say, look, I overextended or whatever. Just tell her what it is so she knows how to move accordingly. Don't keep telling her, I got you, I got you, I got you, and then telling your manager something else. Yeah. That's some bullshit. So, Uh, I'm going to let it resume. We got about five minutes left in this. So. Okay. When you allow somebody to come in between a relationship with a woman that you said, I'm like your mother, you said, I'm like these things. I didn't ask you for that. So everything that that baby was saying, sitting here, everything he was saying was on the up and up. Because when you hear people say, get the anger out your heart. Oh man, no one's saying he's lying. No one ever said I was lying. It's so easy to discount and devalue because of what we look like. Right. However, when it comes to Tyler Perry, I will not allow you to discount or devalue because that is your voice on that audio. Mm -hmm. Remember on Good Times mm -hmm. when Penny's mother was whooping up on yep. her and then and she had recorded it? Mm -hmm. That's you on tape. So how does it go from you saying you're going to give me an apology to now I owe you an apology? But what do you want an apology for? What 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 could I possibly owe you an apology for when you've admitted? See, when Lee Daniel says to me, because Cookie from the, the show Empire, yeah. I was offered that role. Now, Taraji tore it up, baby. It listen right. here. However, I was offered that. Then Felita called me back and say, baby girl, they said you're too difficult to work with. But you hear on the audio that a man told David Talbert I was difficult to work with. Do you see how that right. cost my family? Yes. And with no accountability because, oh, it's the great Tyler Perry. No, you've got to be accountable for that. Oprah Winfrey, you've got to be accountable for the things you've done with my family. You've got to be accountable for that. Is there any relationship between you and Tyler and you and Oprah currently? No. When we have our juggernauts, Oprah Winfrey, Tyler Perry, Steve Harvey, the Kevin Hart, these are our juggernauts of our community. These are the people that our babies say, when I grow up, I want to be that. Yes. I want to be like that. So we have to call those people to the mat and say, listen, what are you teaching our babies? You're feeding poison because you're showing them your private jet. I'm going to show you my mansion. I'm going to show you my fancy cars. But my character is shot and I'm bankrupt. I got a lot of money in my bank. It's more zeros than some of them can, than we can imagine. But their character, they are bankrupt. Those are bankrupt people. So everybody that Kat sat right here and told you about, I can't wait to see your next interviews with those people. They ain't coming on now, bro. Invite them. I have. They're not going to do it. Well, look, I've already done Steve. I have a relationship with Steve. He's do him again. <laughs> do him again. And I'm going to say this. I'm trying to get Oprah and, uh, and Tyler, though. Baby, we got him. Y'all come on. Stop playing. They ain't coming on, bro. Thanks to you. You know how. And I don't want to put you on a spot, but I'm going to say it because I appreciate you as a black man and what you're doing. If you are my friend mm -hmm. and someone says to me, Monique, Shannon Sharp wronged me. And you my friend, yeah. I'm going to call my friend. You can come to me. And I'm going to say, hey, is what they saying true? 
And if you get to him and Han, I'm going to tell you, till you fix it, you and I can't talk. Because if you'll do them that way, it'll be a matter of time before you do it to me. So if Steve Harvey is your friend, you call your friend up and you ask him, is what our sister's saying right, man? Because if it is, we can't do that to her. If that's our sister. See, it took a transgender named T.S. Madison. It was a guy named Jamaica Carter. We, Jamaica Carter and our mutual friend. Jamaica Carter and our friends. Mm -hmm. T.S. Madison was a mutual friend. Mm -hmm. So Jamaica called me and said, would you mind doing T.S. Madison's show? I go do T.S. Madison's show. When I tell T.S. Madison, when the camera cuts, I said, listen, your friend is wrong. She said, Monique Lee Daniels is my friend. I said, then you need to call your friend and tell him to fix this shit. She said, I will. Within a couple of days, who did I get a call from? Lee Daniels. See, that's a friend. Mm -hmm. That's a true friend that's saying, I love you so much that I want to make sure that's not on your heart or your conscience. Let's fix it. Let's make it right. So when people ask Lee now, when we did the deliverance together, how was it to work with Monique? It was as if we had never parted ways because he fixed it. He owned it and he took accountability for it. I can't now keep you to the cross because you've owned it. Right. I've had to be forgiven. Right. So I appreciate mm -hmm. that someone had grace and mercy with me. So I'm going to have that with other people when they take accountability for what they've done. Want to join Club Shay Shay? Become an official? I heard a testimony. That's all I heard. I heard a testimony. I think that... Um, Monique is valid when she talks about gatekeepers. This shit is not all in their head. Um, it's like she talked about gaslighting without actually mentioning it. Specifically the part where she talked about um, where it's like you're being told one thing in the dark and then told something else in the light. Um, where Kevin Hart obviously was promising certain things and then didn't deliver. Um, and then publicly denouncing her basically or questioning her character um i just feel like i just feel like two people can't tell the same set of lies like based on their own experiences um yeah. between cat williams and her uh and also too after this last press run with um color purple i was like I was definitely looking at Oprah like sideways. I'm like, yeah, Oprah, you did that shit. Like, there's no way that you executive produced the film and didn't know that your people were being underpaid and that their trailers were a mess and that they weren't being fed, like literally not being fed, fed lunch. I just refuse to believe that. Isn't the executive producer's job to actually spend the money to fund the film, to front the, front the money to... Fund the film? Executive producer, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, that's literally your job. So, surely, a budget was presented. And, like, if the math wasn't mathing, then you could have been like, hey, um, this person, you know, like, like the math wasn't mathing. That's all I'm saying. And, yeah, Oprah, I 100% believe her. Um especially because the quote-unquote victors the people on top always get to shake the narrative about how they won and how how they got to the top and in monique's case they're keeping her at the bottom by labeling her too difficult to work with 
Cat Williams, same thing. They call him a you know a drug addict. So I, 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 I will say where are one. these narratives coming from? Yeah, I, I, there was a line in a Cool Keith song. Uh, I, I know. I'm, I, well, I'm not gonna say I'm one of the last Cool Keith fans. I, I mean, I've been a fan of Cool Keith for like for for decades. But he had a line in the song like, "If I'm hard to work with, it's because you're hard to work with." <laughs> and and um, my thing is this: you have people like world class actors like uh, like Bruce Willis, right? When he did that movie Cop Out with Tracy Morgan. Like he didn't get along with the director at all, right? Mm. And uh, and and I think they vowed to never work with each other again. But Bruce Willis has been in in dozens of movies, and you've never heard any stories about Bruce right. Willis being hard to work with until he met with that particular guy. Now, about somebody being labeled hard to work with, is it's a double edged sword. You remember we talked about Irene Cara when she passed away recently, right? Mm -hmm. When she was when she was fighting against the industry because they were underpaying her, right? And what really threw her off is that she couldn't get while she was doing that lawsuit against the music industry, she couldn't get any work on other people's songs because they labeled her as difficult to work with, as revenge for exactly. Uh, and it turned out Irene Cara was right, but unfortunately, she spent so much money in legal fees. By the time she got paid, she barely broke even. Yep. You know, it it was it was a sad case. Always the attorneys. So, basically, um, being labeled hard to work with, I need more proof than just. I know Monique Basically, has a reputation. If you a woman and you assert yourself, oh, well, she's difficult. Well, that's, that, that's, well that, that's the other thing. I mean, it's it's either you're asserting yourself, you're you're not taking any guff from people, and they label you hard to work with, or you're or you're you're an Aunt Viv. Or 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 uh, an, an Urkel. Like I remember, um, the the woman who played the mother from uh, from Family uh, Family Matters said she almost she almost punched. Uh, I didn't know he was like that. She almost punched dude in the face. They yeah. almost got into it. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, there's a difference. And you know, while it, it, with Monique, it's complicated, but. While I'm not 100% on her side, I'm not going to dismiss her out of hand because I know how people could be. And if you are saying, hey, you know, people always talk about, you ever watch um, Oliver Twist? Mm -mm. Basically, the, the infamous scene is uh, in the beginning of the movie where they're at the orphanage or the factory or wherever they were. And they, they're feeding the kids gruel and like that little bowl. Yeah, of like porridge. Yeah. And, and, and he asks for more. Yeah, right. I do know that line though. Yes, I, 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 more, sir. I yeah. looked it up because I remember. I mean, I hadn't seen that movie since I was a little kid, and 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 I think this part might have been from the book. They wouldn't have put that in a in a in a kids movie, but in the book, when Oliver asked for more, he was punished for it, like physically punished. Like they beat him afterwards for asking for more, and I'm thinking that this may be an Oliver Twist situation with Monique. Where if she's saying, hey, I'm worth more, you know, and she's being punished for it. Yeah. You know, I, I, I do believe that. I think that that's what's happening. Well, she might get the last laugh. She has, um, <laughs> there's so many puns in that line. I'm going to pat myself on the back for that one. Um, <laughs> but as a comedian, she's getting the last laugh. And um, she is going on tour with Cat Williams. So 
Oh boy. Yeah. Now, now I will say this though. I think the last time we heard from Monique where she gave like kind of like an interview or she went on live or something like that and like expounded on her thoughts. Mm -hmm. um, then she did do a stand-up show and then it was like she wasn't telling jokes. She was like talking about her experience. I just hope that she fucking tells jokes. Like, yeah. <laughs> Just tell jokes, ma'am. Like, that's what you're here for. Your audience doesn't... Like, if we wanted to hear about how fucked up Hollywood is and how, you know, um, Tyler Perry and Oprah and shit, then we'll look at Club Shay Shay. But tonight, ma'am, please tell the jokes. Be your funniest self. Win the people over with your fucking jokes. Because I, I just watched The Parkers last night. um, And it still holds water. as far as like her character goes. So like, ma'am, you are Nikki Parker. Be the funny lady. And I love fat girls too. The movie, um, like be that lady, like be the funny lady that we remember from those things, from those projects. That's all I'm saying. That's my only advice. Other than that, good luck, get your bag. So that hopefully you'll never have to borrow money from the likes of Kevin Hart or anybody like him ever again. Right. And that's all I got. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I will say something, you know, but, 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 but before we start the dark half, <laughs> the funniest thing I've ever seen was the fact that millionaires and billionaires don't get why working class people don't like them. And usually the people that do like him unconditionally are just like ridiculous sycophants. Um, Odie, are you were you ever or 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 your husband ever like a, a old school kung fu fan? I don't think he was, not to my knowledge. I know he he tried to get me to watch something. He said it was a classic, but I, I just couldn't get into it. Um, but no, I'm not. I'm I, I'll speak for myself. I am not. I feel if you didn't grow up with it as a kid, like, you know, we used to watch like Kung Fu theater. Yeah, every I think it's time. like a nostalgic thing for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then we were all out, it, we would all be out in the streets, like the comedians would say, which is, which was true, by the way, which is why I laughed so hard. We'd all be out in the streets speaking as if we were like, as if our voices were dubbed. Like yeah. that's basically us every Saturday morning. So we watch cartoons and then about one o'clock, it was either Kung Fu movies or Godzilla movies. <laughs> so, but there was a movie called The Flying Guillotine, and it is the most ridiculous thing you've ever seen. But as a kid, it's absolutely amazing. And it's this round cylinder and it has spikes all around it, right? And it's on a chain. You throw it on a chain. What you do is you throw it and then it lands on someone's head. And when it hits the head, the, the cylinder part slides down. It becomes a hood over your head. And then the spikes turn in around your neck. And then they yank the chain and it pulls your head right off. Right. And and the Chinese movies are just never about blood. Like if that was a Japanese movie, the whole screen would turn red with blood. But Chinese movies, you could just behead somebody and then you could still play it on Channel 5 <laughs> because there's no blood. It's just a, a floppy body hitting the ground after his head gets pulled off. But I think that 98% of rich people don't care.
Like they're they're just having money orgies and cash enemas and they're just living their best lives. They're like Scrooge McDuck diving into their money, greedflation, shrinkflation. They're just lining their pockets and they're just having a time of their lives. And there's like 2% of them who feel the shift. They feel it. You know, they they know something bad is coming because people are kind of sort of starting to wake up and realize who's really keeping them down. You know? Yeah, like like just like Monique said, like, look, you got more zeros in your account, but you're morally bankrupt. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you don't have to be a philanthropist. Just pay fuck taxes, man. That's all. That's all we ask. Because what you do with your money is your no, business. No, but that's, that's the thing. They know that that's not all we ask. Like, that's where it starts. That's not going to be the end of it. Well, and they know that, and they that's why they don't want to give more. Yeah. I mean, put it like this, right? This is something I have to actually look into. So I didn't, uh, if this is wrong, forgive me, because I just saw this on, um, usually when I see stuff on, like, on social media, I usually try to back it up first, but uh, one of Biden's plans that he did, uh, supposedly the IRS has collected like about uh, $500 billion from, from billionaires in, in lost taxes. And I'm like, I need to check into that. I don't know if that's actually true. But between all the loopholes and the tax cuts and all this other stuff, right? You know, and then it always seems like rich people get richer when poor people get devastated, not even get poorer get devastated, right? And I posted this on Facebook recently. I'm not going to go over the whole thing, but they said, basically, if you have an Xbox, right, or a PlayStation 5, and you uh, buy it and then resell it for a higher price because there's a demand for it, you're seen as a scalper. If you get tickets for a concert and you resell it for a higher price to somebody who's desperate for it, you're seen as a scalper. But if you buy a house flip it and sell for more money, you're an investor. Mm. You know, they, 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 they sugarcoat the living hell out of this stuff. You, you know, figure. Go ahead. I was just going to say too, like, yeah. Like when you think about it to your point about the devastation, that, that note kind of struck me actually the most um, because COVID, the pandemic, like I honestly, that's why mm -hmm. I think, like, I hate to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but I'm, like, very well aware. I don't put past stuff past people, and it just seems like somebody somewhere, like, you know, if it's going to be a way to get rich, I think wars and, pan obviously, pandemics. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Where there's some sort of, like you said, devastation involved. Shake shit up, you know? Oh, we can get rich. Like, I'm going to be an investor in pharmaceuticals. Mm -hmm. and I'm going to get behind, uh, you know, this particular defense company or whatever the fuck. Like, and right. like you said, like, that's how they get richer. You know, I, I, I see Nancy Pelosi is, is one of the worst of the bunch when it comes to insider trading. Mm -hmm. you know, we, we, we've talked about Nancy Pelosi at length. Yeah, I've definitely sent you some reels. There's, um... There's an app that lets you basically mirror people like hers mm -hmm. trading profile. Right. So when she's ready to dump, you dump, and you don't get as rich as her, but you make a little money for sure. Right.
You know, I mean, you figure Nancy Pelosi's husband can make a single stock trade. He made one end of not this past December, but the December before. I can't believe it's been that long already where he basically just made one stock trade and it was worth five million bucks to him. You know, most people can't do that. So when they talk about, oh, the stock market's up. Yeah, you got a few extra bucks in your 401k, but most of those stocks are owned by like the top three to five percent of the country. Most people don't own stocks like that. What they do is maybe worth a couple of hundred grand and it's something that they've cultivated over years. Not something that they could do one stock trade and just be instantly rich. You know, you figure homelessness is up by 12 percent. And then you have states turning around and criminalizing homelessness. They actually put spikes on park benches and put like uh, bars up there. Yeah, they do all types of to just make it uncomfortable to be homeless. They don't want to spend money on affordable homes, but then they criminalize being homeless. Now, home prices, I just, you know, I, I keep forgetting. I got to I got to read these things before I post them because I posted an article from The Wall Street Journal. They're behind a paywall. Right. Mm -hmm. But they had an article. They said home prices are going down for the rich because they build all these houses for the rich. They call them the one percent for the reason for a reason. There's like they're like one percent of the country. So you're building all these luxury homes and have people to live in them. So they got to lower the price to get people to buy them. But for middle class and, and working class folks, home prices are still going up. Rent still going up. They you like know, I think I think, by the way, too, I think we're finally starting to level out. So um, like all that shit that was happening during the pandemic or um, and, and right before it. Um, I think we're starting to to see shit level out, which means we're going to not see these ridiculous. Um, not see these ridiculous prices anymore. Um, mm -hmm. And interest rates and the interest rates are probably going to go down. Uh, there's a place. There's a place uh, not too far from my home. And if you're familiar with Raleigh, um, there's a street called Rush Street. So I live in Southeast Raleigh and um, Rush Street isn't too far from me. But like growing up, that was definitely considered like one of the hood spots. Like there's a couple of neighborhoods in Raleigh where it's like, you know, the hood and Rush Street is considered that. Well, they built these townhomes they wanted like $300,000 for them hmm. on Rush Street. And for, for months, a lot of them were unsold. Um, and mind you too, this is like, it's in a neighborhood where there's a lot of foot traffic. There's actually a sidewalk um, and like a Dollar Tree or whatever up the street from the, from, from the homes. But like, there's a lot of foot traffic. So it's not like even in a private neighborhood. It's just a row of townhomes that they want $300,000 for in a market where the interest rate is like six point whatever percent. Yeah. I think back then it was higher. I think that's like what it, what it is as, as of like yesterday. Cause I just randomly looked it up and, um, a lot of them were unoccupied for a long time. And usually in any other market, they would have been scooped up pretty quickly. Um, and when I drove by last night, I all but two of them, two of them are still unoccupied. And these, these have been sitting there for like two years, I think. 
a year or two, maybe a year and a half at most. And that's wild business to me, like a year and a half. So it's a combination. I think in that case, it might be a combination of the location too, but mainly it's just like, wow, like I think we're, we're starting to see things turn a corner, hopefully. But, but the problem is there's no mechanism in place to keep that from happening again. When I first moved to North Carolina, townhomes were going for, and unfortunately at the time I was fighting a bankruptcy. So buying a house was out of the question. But those townhomes are going for like 170, 180,000. And now those same townhomes I'm looking at in Cary are like 310, 320,000, which is what you would pay for a house. Like starter houses now are, are like 400 grand, you know? Like, why would I pay 300 grand for a condo when you used to be able to, hell, in the 80s, you could buy two houses for 300 grand, <laughs> literally. So it's it's absolutely preposterous that all this stuff is going on and no one's taking, there was a TikTok that I saw recently where a guy, you know, you know what they do, what they do like they, they play both sides of the, of the person. And they were, and then it's basically, I'm not going to go over the whole skit, but he was basically just asking for things that they need. And then they were just like, no, you can't have it because the billionaires say it, you can't. And then finally the guy gets frustrated and he goes, hey, uh, what's the circumference of your head? And he was like, I don't know why. And he's like, oh, no reason. And when he says no reason, you see like a thought bubble. And then in the thought bubble, you see a guillotine. You know, it's basically, I think that maybe there's some rich people who are realizing that. People are Googling stuff like, how tall is a guillotine? How heavy does the blade have to be to cut off a head? Can I pull the blade back up myself or do I need like a little winch to pull the blade back up? And what soaks up blood the best? Sand or, or should I just get kitty litter to soak up the blood? Like people are starting to realize that, yeah, and here's the thing. We're never going to have a day of terror like they did in France back in the, in the late 1700s. But I think someone's going to take, someone's going to get dropped. Someone's going to get murked. And I don't condone it, but when people get uh, desperate, they either make bad decisions like buying Iraqi dinars or they get angry and they lash out. And I think some CEO or some bank manager or some uh, tech mogul is going to get dropped and it, it may even become a trend. Now I'm basing that on just a general feeling. There's no plans for this. <laughs> and, and I don't want somebody to spend the rest of their lives in prison for something that's not going to really affect anything. But I think there are a couple of billionaires who are really starting to feel like, yeah, it's not just a matter of, Hey, we just don't like you people. It's a matter of, hey, we don't like you people and you may have to go. And I think people feel it because there's nobody really advocating for us because the billionaires bought them all and they all work for the billionaires, right? And I mean, Joe Biden's not gonna do nothing about it, right? Here's the thing. Joe Biden is not okay. You know, I, I, I'm on, I haven't posted anything on Substack yet, but I read a lot of Substacks and um, I got on Substack because of Robert Reich. I'm a big fan of Robert Reich because I, I kind of need somebody to pull me off the edge. 
Because I'm, I'm of mind, like, you know what, just burn this shit to cinders and let's start over. And Robert Reich is out there just like, hey, I know you're angry, but, you know, let's be productive. You know, he he's like, a, uh, you know, he, he's like a little dot of light on an on a otherwise cloudy day. But here's the thing, right? There was a, a discussion recently on The View, right? And there is like the one conservative host. And she's not a Trump supporter, but she's talking about how Joe Biden is just deteriorating. You know, he's 81 years old. And you could tell he's starting, he's really slowing down. And Whoopi Goldberg and Joy Behar were just like, they were literally just like, you need to just shut up and vote for Biden, you know? And to me, anybody defending Joe Biden as being competent, it's like listening to a 16-year-old girl tell somebody, I don't know why it had to be a girl, I'm sorry, but listen to a 16-year-old say, oh, my 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 14-year-old dog, where'd he go? Oh, he's in the farm upstate. Hmm. And not dead in the ground because he's a 14-year-old dog. You know, they just put this thing in their mind where, oh, no, my dog's not dead in the ground, turning into a pile of bones. My dog is playing upstate in a farm chasing farm animals and having a time of his life. Like that's how people are thinking of Joe Biden. They think that Joe Biden is just this, this strong virile man. And he's just, he's, he's an old man. We all God willing, we, we would, I would love to live until I'm 81 and forget shit. I'd love to be able to do that. I'm not, I'm never going to live to be 81. So I'll just have to take what I could get in the B time. But because being living to your 80s is a luxury at this point in time. I have friends who are barely in their 40s who died of colon cancer. So living to 81, that, that's a fantasy at this point for me. Okay. But here's the thing. They see Trump falling apart like a rotten pumpkin. And they just figure, well, Joe's got this. No, Joe ain't got this. I'm not going to rehash everything from last week, but it, it's just absolutely pathetic. The people who are, if you're saying that Biden is better than Trump, okay, that's a given. If you're saying Biden is good, no, he's not. He's We're the most powerful country in the world, and this is the best we could do. Two drooling old men. You got Joe Biden, whose brains are turning into oatmeal. You got Trump. Professor Poopy Pants over here. Shit. If you listen carefully right now, you could probably hear Trump shitting his pants right now. And that's and then you have Republicans drawing pictures of him as a cowboy, as, as an astronaut, as, as, as a superhero with his hands on his hips and eye beams coming out. Like these people are fucking pathetic and they're on both sides. Because they are still doing Joe Biden like he's this, like he's back in like 1994. No, Joe Biden's an 81-year-old man. He should not be running the country. He should have, he should have stepped down. But his ego is not going to allow it. Because he said he was going to step down after one term and then he didn't. Mm -hmm. So, Odie, am I am I being too am I being a fatalist in this whole thing? I mean, I do, it's, there's valid points, but it's like, what can we do? Like, let's shift the focus to 
solutions, I guess. Because the reality is everybody's old. 80 plus trying to run for president who can't relate. And also too, very well-to-do people who can't relate to any of the financial constraints that come along with not being a career politician. Um, so it's like, what do you do? What do you do with this information? You're not being a fatalist. I mean, you're definitely declaring facts, but it's like, but what do we do with this information now? Well, I, I think part of the problem with, with people who listen to cable news is that they listen to people like Joanne Reed and uh, Chuck Todd and Jake Tapper and all of them, and they go into this whole thing about electability. And the thing is, uh, they squash between the cable news and the DNC, they squash any other choices. So they, so like Whoopi Goldberg's whole thing was, well, we don't have a choice. We got it. We got to vote for Biden. Yeah. We, we have a primary system, but they just like Marianne Williamson dropped out recently. Like they wouldn't put her on any shows. They wouldn't do anything with Marianne Williamson. You know, they just literally just snuffed her out like a, like a, like a candle in the wind, as, as they would say, you know, Because they don't want, because if there is another choice, people will just pick that other choice. You remember 2016, how Bernie closed like a, a 50 point lead on Hillary to the point that they had to like put the finger on the scale to actually win. And Bernie wasn't even trying to win. He just wanted to push Hillary to the left. But the more Hillary talked, the less people liked her. And the more Bernie talked, the more he resonated with people, not just with leftists and liberals, but also with independents. And it was, it was a huge surge. So they didn't want that again. That's why Obama had to step in in, in, 20, in 2020 and, you know, do his behind the scenes winter soldier shit to get Joe the nomination. Because if you remember, until South Carolina, Trump, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Biden was coming in like fourth and fifth place. Well, nobody fucked with Biden like that when they had when they had Buddha Judge and Klobuchar along with Bernie. You know, they they it the whole and this is just my opinion, obviously, <laughs> but the whole reason why people are kind why why some people, I'm not gonna say a lot of people, some people kind of check out of politics is because the Democrats tout themselves as the good guys, but they don't do good things. So if we were losing to the Republicans because of messaging, because of policy, we can change that and just change the strategy and go back at them. But when you're being defeated by the party that says that they're the good guys, that's what really lowers people's spirits. And that's what makes them just say, you know what? Fucking finish it. Just let the country burn to cinders. You know, at least the handful of fatalists like me think like that. Everybody else is just worried about, are we going to have a country after 2025? Because they got like kids and pensions and shit. That's <laughs> to worry about, you know. But I mean, it, it's it's just a sad state of affairs that we are in the skin we're in right now. Because, I mean, because of course, Whoopi Goldberg was like, well, who else are you going to get? Hey, you could have, I mean, somebody even said, uh, like Kamala. And I'm like, I don't like Kamala, but I would vote for her over Joe Biden or even, or Gretchen Whitmer, 
or you could get um what's his name out of California. And don't get me wrong, uh, the governor of California is a corporate ghoul, but he knows how to play the game. And I would definitely get out of my bed to vote for him over Joe Biden. But of course, you know, they, they didn't want him to run for that exact reason. You know, I mean, if I'm uh, Gavin Newsom, Gavin Newsom would slaughter Trump in a debate. He would, he would murder him in a debate. You know, I would love for Bernie to run again, but Bernie's too old. That's just, I mean, and yeah, Bernie's still sharp as attack, but he's, but Bernie's like 82 years old. I, I really just want- Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah, I really want Bernie to retire because I want him to, I mean, after being a public servant for 50 years, I want him to enjoy the time he has left, not having to worry about, you know, bills and uh, resolutions and that shit. I think he's earned it, you know? I don't want Bernie to die in office. I want him to enjoy the rest of his life. But the rest of these people, they get power. It's like blood to a vampire. They just got to have more. We talked about Chuck Grassi last week. This man is literally, literally 90 years old, still in Congress. Go home, Chuck. You're old. Jesus. That's why they can't relate, too, because they'd they be on some shit like, well, if I can still work until I'm 90 years old, then why can't you? Meanwhile, you only work a certain amount of of time out of the month. Yeah. Not like you're working every damn day. Right. Or then, you're doing anything grueling or Yeah. You're 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 literally pushing papers across a desk all day. You know. I, I, I joked to my dad about that yesterday. I told him I had to go back to work. And then he was like, what do you actually do at work? And I'm like, you know, customer service. And then you know he kind of had that little laugh. And I'm like, okay, great. I admit it's not pouring asphalt in the middle of August, <laughs> but it's still work. You know, I used to, we used to work construction together when I was a young man, but, um, and I actually did pour asphalt in, in August. And I'll tell you, I wouldn't do it again. <laughs> so, but, um, the problem now is like, like right, well, sloppy segue here. There was an article from the daily dot. And it said, millennials and Gen Z no longer have incentives to work hard. Experts show performance reviews have, are rigged against workers. And somebody said, in a, quote, in a quote, I act my wage because of this. You know, I mean, at my job, you know, I don't talk about my job much because they don't share my politics. They're, my, my job is apolitical, so I don't talk about them. But I've been working at my job for many years, and I'd like to retire with them. You know, it's a good place, a lot of good opportunities. You know, you could rise up in the ranks. You know, there's a lot of things to do, but every company is not like that. I'm going to do a little bit of reading here, okay? So, Odie, jump in where you need to, okay? Uh, TikToker Daniel Roberts, who calls himself the anti-career coach, filmed a short clip about performance evaluations and how they may be part of why so many millennials and Gen Z workers in corporate America are attracted to quiet quitting. Uh, performance review season for my uh, for two of my clients, Roberts began. One is a manager who has multiple people reporting to him, and one is an independent contributor who reports to her manager. Both of these companies use a scale of one to five to measure how employees are doing. One is terrible, five is exceeds expectations, and three is meets expectations. The manager submitted fours and fives for the people on his teams, Roberts continued, and the independent contributor also got 
a majority of fives, maybe one, four, and one, three. It says, you know what the, the corporate officers came back to them and said? That you were not allowed to put uh, people at fours and fives. And then she goes, wait, that's not fully true. You are allowed to, but only for one or two employees. I not everyone that. can be ranked that way. I can believe that 100%. So, and yet millennials and Gen Z get flack for quiet quitting when there is no incentive for hard work. I'll tell you something. I actually, um, this weekend, uh, I'm actually going to be making uh, crockpot chicken parmesan. I went to the supermarket this morning. I got all the ingredients. And it took me forever to find Italian seasonings because there's like a whole wall of spices. And I'm like, I'm standing next to everyone looking at it. I'm like, uh. But um just just so you know, uh a lot of that, those are alphabetized. So that's that's the trick. If you're looking at um if you're looking at what's that brand that everybody uses, McCormick? Yes. Those are alphabetized. Okay. Yeah. Because they had it like McCormick's and then they had Lowry's and then they had like all the, and then they kind of had it separated. Like then you had like your, your, uh, your, your dry rubs for barbecue. And then you had your, yeah, it, it took me a little bit to find it. And then they had accent. I haven't used accent in forever. My mom used to use that in some of her recipes. It tastes weird, but it's still good. <laughs> but anyway, like, like while I'm, uh, you know, while I'm waiting for my 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 chicken parmesan to cook, I'm gonna be, you know, working on some of the, on some of these videos to post, and then I'm also gonna be trying to to write some more scripts for my record store days, right? For those TikToks, and I remember, you know, working for the record store, right? When I was in, when I first became an uh, an associate, my manager at the time, right, told me. Uh, he says, yeah, we understand the pay is kind of low. He says, but if you work hard, you will be recognized. And for that company, that turned out to be true. Six months later, I became an assistant manager. Okay. You know, when I needed a, a transfer to another state, they looked at my, they looked at, at what I had done and then they accommodated me. You know, it, it, you know, it, the wall slash Camelot, they were a good company to work for. You know, despite the low pay, when Transworld took over, then it became a shit show and then I left, you know, but uh, there are still some good companies out there. Right. Here's the thing. If. Um, the whole point of keeping workers hungry has diminishing returns, because if they're working hard and they're not going to get what they need to be. They're either going to, A, quiet, quit, and only do what they need to do to get by, or B, they're going to find another job where their talents will be appreciated, you know? But you're never going to get the most out of them. You have certain places like Costco. Like, Costco is very, they, they have very low turnover, right? Compared to some place like Walmart, or especially like Amazon. I had to look this up. I'm like, this, I'm like, this can't be right. But someone said Amazon has over a hundred percent turnover rate, and I was just like, "That yeah, can't possibly yeah. be true." Yeah, they be, they be working <laughs> in people like 
Yeah, I, I, I could imagine uh, 80, 90 percent uh, really high because it's a shitty place to work. But over 100 percent, I'm like, that means you have a whole new crew next year. And I, I want to say um, Stephen Colbert. I mean, I, well, it's probably true because it was on the Stephen Colbert show. You know, they fact check all that stuff. And Stephen Colbert said Amazon's orientation is like, look, look at the person on your left. Look at your person on your right. None of you will be here next year. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I hate when they I'm a big advocate for millennials and Gen Z as a whole. I mean, yes, you can have individuals in that rank that are just lazy, shitty workers. But then again, there's lazy, shitty workers in my generation. There's lazy, shitty workers in every generation. But as a whole, these kids get so much flack for the scraps that they're given to work with. It's absolutely preposterous. And I see stuff like this all the time. This is, not, I mean, it's probably happening to them because they're growing in the workforce, especially Gen uh, Gen Z. You know, now these kids are like getting out of college now and joining the workforce. You know? The thing is, like, most people who work hard don't get promoted. They just get stretched to the limit. It's like you just get more work. Yeah. So... By that logic, I might as well just do the bare minimum. I mean, when I was able to do the bare minimum and just at least get a paycheck. But yeah. I was laughing because I remember um, there was a, a clip from Kev on stage. Mm -hmm. He was talking to his son about getting fired from some job. I forgot what job it was. And he basically, the son made made sense. He was just like, I forgot how Kevin defended himself from like getting fired from the job or whatever, defended himself to his son when he was having this conversation. But basically the son's response was like, well, then you weren't doing, you weren't meeting the minimum requirements then. <laughs> and it was how he said it. He was like, well, obviously like you couldn't have been doing your job because they fired you for not doing it. At least the minimum. And then Kev just, he couldn't do nothing but laugh because it was funny. <laughs> Kev seems like a good dude. Like if, like if I met him for real, he seems like a type of guy where if I didn't walk up to him like a moron, he'd probably shake my hand and be like, you know, hey, what's up, you know, person or whatever. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> so, and, and I like Kev. Well, I, I probably need to, I need to follow him on, um, on TikTok, if he's on TikTok, I used to get his stuff all the time on Instagram, and I don't see it anymore. So mm -hmm. I may, I may need to, and I, I'm pretty sure I'm subscribed to his page. But, but I, I like I said, I, I I sympathize with millennials and Gen Z, you know, and you know, I, I rail against uh, Gen Xers and Boomers who dump on them like Whoopi Goldberg and her dumbass self. But you know. The, the fight's going to continue, and, you know, for what it's worth, I'm an ally. But, yeah, this whole thing about, yeah, you know, chasing those imaginary brass rings and then getting mad when they just like, you know what, fuck them rings. <laughs> I'm just going to go do my work and go home at 5.15. And then they're just like, why aren't you uh, spending your life at the office for me? Yeah, because we're not going to get shit in return for it, assholes. So. But... That's all I had for the main stuff. I'm going to try to burn through as many of these quick hits as possible. All right, let's go. I, I, I should put them on a timer, but I don't know how much time we're going to use. So let's just go. Uh, 
the Nicki Minaj and uh, uh, Megan Thee Stallion beef. I saw an article today where they where where not Nicki, but the uh, the Barb's are moving on. Something about Burner Boy. I didn't read the whole thing, but I think the beef was ended when uh, Megan Thee Stallion's hiss debuted as a number one single, and Bigfoot debuted at number twenty three. And I think that's when Nikki was just like, huh. <laughs> let me just let me start working on, on, on my Pink Friday 2 tour and just keep it moving. Cause she lost again. And she's I mean, she makes hit singles, obviously, by the fact of her career, but she's just not really good at diss tracks. I don't know why she why she would just keep trying, I guess. I don't know. Odie, what are your thoughts on that? Um Yeah, just I'm not I'm not into it. I, I have no no comment. I just don't care. But I do I mean I actually did listen to his. His isn't a bad song, but I just Megan okay, the thing I really like about his is like Megan has been very quiet um during this whole fiasco. People have had their thoughts, their opinions shared multiple times about whether or not she was or wasn't shot. Which is annoying, I'm sure. And she, she kept yeah. her mouth shut. Um, so when she goes off, to me, it was justified. This song was justified. And I wasn't mad at it. I do think the Megan's Law line could have been a little more intentional, but I don't think that she um I don't think she knew. I don't think she was aware of what Megan's Law was. I mean, obviously her name is Megan, so she just threw it in there, but yeah. anyway, that's it. That's it. That's all. Yeah. Um. Now, uh, the nominations haven't come out yet for Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for 2024, but whispers are saying that Eric B. and Rakim are going to be nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which I'm very excited about. I think we're coming to the time where a lot of rappers who were coming out uh, when I was coming of age, because they, they came out like in 87, I think. So I was maybe like 16 years old when, the, when these songs were coming out. And um, yeah, I, I hope they make it. I mean, I always, you know, me putting on my rap historian hat, if, um, in my opinion, if Run DMC saved rap music, Eric B and Rakim, along with people like Big Daddy Kane and you know stuff like they they advanced it, you know they they pushed it to its next evolutionary phase. So when I heard that Eric B and Rakim may be nominated for a rock for you know Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I was very excited about that. So I know they may have been a little bit before your time, Odie, but what do you what do you think about that? Um, yeah, I think that as far as like influence on hip hop, they deserve. Yeah. They deserve. I think that's a good pick, a respectable pick. Yeah, exactly. And then Funkmaster Flex and his midlife crisis. Supposedly, he's getting involved in this whole Ice Spice versus Lotto beef. And I, I will say this: maybe this maybe this maybe sounds like a sexist thing to say, and if it is, I apologize. But then again, I didn't feel that way about the Nikki, uh, what you call it, B, because it seemed more, it seemed more vicious. But this whole Lotto versus Ice Spice thing is like watching two puppies fight over a chew toy. 
like I'm just not concerned about it in that way. Like I figure it's just going to be some some playful stuff, and then and then you know what's going to happen a year from now they'll do a song together. I don't know. I haven't been paying that much attention to it. It it wasn't something that really peaked on my radar. But then Funk Flex says that he's not going to play Lotto songs over because you know he has to stick up for Ice Spice because she's from the Bronx or wherever she's from. Uh, what what are your thoughts on that, Odie? Like I said on the thread, we never going to hear the song anyway because he can't get past the bombs. So he's going to just keep pl playing the intro and dropping bombs saying why Nikki's song is hotter, blah, 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 blah. Um, Burrow beef is weird, especially at your big age of 50, whatever. Um, He's, he's, he's like 55, I think. So, Like, I don't even know anybody that listens to Hot 97 anymore. I was watching Brown Sugar the other day. And of course, like, that's at that time that Angie Martinez still lived there. You know, that was her home. And um, that's why it was relevant. But like, I feel like once Angie left, there was no reason for anybody to stay at Hot 97. Like, who cares? Right. But you know, it was, and, and come to think of it, When uh, Angela, when Angela Yee left the Breakfast Club to start, like, I mean, she didn't leave Power 105, but she left the Breakfast Club to start her own midday se segment. Um, everybody talked about who was going to replace her, like who was going to be the next pick, the third, you know, for that third seat or whatever. Right. And um That was like the talk for like over a year with guest hosts and whatnot. But when Angie left, I can't remember anybody giving two fucks about who was going to be in that that seat. <laughs> Angie Martinez is way more iconic. So that I just feel like that's more of an indicator of how irrelevant Hot 97 is now that Angie Martinez is gone. Right. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And I, I know the millennials are happy for this one. Uh, well, they were already happy because uh, Usher is doing the Super Bowl halftime show. But then they just announced yesterday that Alicia Keys is going to be joining Usher for the Super no, Bowl. Like literally nobody asked for that. Um, <laughs> no. I know that my boo is a thing. And like, and it was a smash. Don't get me wrong. It was a smash for its time. Mm -hmm. But again, When I hear people amongst me and my friends as a, speaking as a millennial, like we were like, okay, what you think Usher gonna do? What songs you think he gonna do? Lil John is coming out there, so you know what that means. That probably means, yeah, maybe Love in this Club or something like that. But it's gonna be some Lil John or Lovers and Friends, like you know, like I'm him. Lil John was running shit in the early two thousands, so. There's so many ways that they could go with that. Um, and there'll be a variety. But overall, when I think about Usher, I want to hear like his, I want to hear his up-tempo shit. Um, so I think it's kind of weird to like, with my boo being like a slow jam, technically, I don't want to hear that. I just don't. But... It looks like that's where we're going with it. So that's where we're going with it.
But literally, nobody asked for that. I don't know if Alicia Keys is going to be on uh, the the keys, the piano, and I don't know if she's going to do something like that. I hope not. Because again, I just want the focus to be on Usher. I just want the focus to be on Usher, but whatever. Now, as far as, as far as the rest of the show going, hmm, I think we're gonna see like maybe yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, what's that other? When it, when the when the R and B girlies were in their dance phase, their dance era. Mm, okay. Uh, what was that song? Oh, and the OMG. Oh, okay. oh, 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 my gosh. Like, yeah, I think we're going to hear that, too. But I, like I said, I could have done without my boo, but whatever. I want to say I still have Usher's first album on CD. Like, the I actually... first, first one, the one with, not You Make Me Wanna, but the one. No, 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 no. I think of you holding on to the one with that song on it. Yeah, yeah. You know I... what's funny is I thought Usher was going to be like, If you watch that video, his face was still like kind of chubby, like he, you know, hadn't grown up. Obviously, he was a baby. Right. Um, I always thought he was going to be kind of chubby. Because that's the one that came out like in in ninety four, three ninety four, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It I, probably I, I, it had to be at least ninety four because we we lived here, we lived in North Carolina, so yeah, I remember that video coming on. I think the only one I don't have from the from the earlier albums. Because I know I have 8701. I have I definitely have My Way, for sure. And then I have yeah, self My Way was really sure. good. Oh, yeah, he should definitely do that. He should definitely do My Way. I want to say I have Confessions, but I, I'll have, to, I'll have to, to, to check for it to see if I have it. But I don't have his later albums, but I, I had, had a lot of Confessions. I, I don't know what happened to it, but yeah. Confessions was obviously iconic. Yeah, but I mean, I, I lot there there is a um. I I think I'll, I'll probably if I still have it saved, I'll post it. I don't know why I didn't post it because I thought it was kind of funny. But there is a um a TikToker called uh she's also on Instagram, which is where I follow her called Madame Zay, and she makes like these these weird videos, like these like these weird stop motion videos that she does. I don't know how she does it. It's actually pretty funny. But she talked about how millennials are going to be like uh, rising up for the for the Usher halftime show, mm -hmm. and then she and then she had they had the song Yeah in the background. So I, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll I'll post that to the to the group. I thought it was pretty funny. But yeah, I mean, I'll put it like this: uh, one of my friends, she's a huge Alicia Keys fan, and she just she had just posted something just that day about you know I think because we talk about um she. Does thing for Throwback Thursday, you know, and then she was just talking about Alicia Keys, and then like a few hours later, I had to reread. I'm like, wait, did I miss something? Did she already? I'm like, did she already know this before I tag her in this? <laughs> that uh, Alicia Keys was going to be in the halftime show, but uh, no, you know, it it just had to be a coincidence. She was talking about how much she likes Alicia Keys, and then a few hours later, oh, she's going to be in a halftime show. <laughs> I love Alicia Keys' music too, like her older stuff, but.
Mm. Uh, you figure she Part got of me, a I want to let it go, but part of me is also holding on to the fact that she she fucked with that lady husband. I don't like that shit. I don't like that shit. <laughs> you, we, we, we know she. There was some overlap. There was some bad math with her fucking Swiss beats before he was completely divorced from Mashonda, his first wife. Oh, okay. So. Part I, of me I didn't is letting know that that part. go, but That part I didn't know. but also too like I just think of Alicia Keys like playing the piano, singing ballads, like I don't think of her music as I feel like I I almost feel like to be a guest as one of the performers, you have to have a qualifier that kind of makes you like worthy of your own halftime performance because it's like oh you're like when you think about bruno mars he brought beyonce out i call i always call it the beyonce halftime show because i literally don't even remember anything bruno mars was doing before beyonce came out um even when dr dre did the halftime show he brought out 50 cent 50 cent could do his own halftime show Now we know that the demographic what the demographic ain't gonna like, but 50 Cent could still technically do his own halftime show. Right. Eminem could absolutely do his own halftime show. So it's like I feel like the people you bring out just need to be worthy. Like Rihanna didn't bring nobody out because guess what? Well, she could have she could have brought out Drake, but she don't fuck with him. So that was the end of that. But That's it, pretty much. I just feel like you, whoever you need to bring out as a guest needs to be like, I'm like, oh my gosh, like have that fandomonium factor. And Alicia Keys just doesn't have that. Sorry. It, it all, I guess it all depends on who you talk to, but I definitely get it though. Like if like if Alicia Keys could do her own halftime show, then yeah, I could see where people would just be like, you know, uh I I, I definitely get it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just like, eh. Like, good, good job, lady, black lady, for getting your check. But at the same time, I'm not really excited about it. Not, not about that part. Now, here's one thing I am excited about as, as a most deaf fan and black on both sides, possibly one of the best hip hop albums of all time. Most deaf is working on a collaboration album with the alchemist who's become one of my favorite producers over the last 10 years. And I think I mentioned last week, alchemist and, um, uh, hit boy came out with a surprised, uh, EP. There's only like three songs or something like that, but it just kind of came out of nowhere. I didn't know they were working together. You know, it, it's actually, it's actually, I, I listened to it. It's actually really good. So the fact that he's, that most deaf is working on an album with him, uh, I'm excited about that. So, um, and then some, some quick shout outs before we end the show today, I want to give a quick shout out to Fox news for staying true to their roots and showing racism live on air. They were in a, Sean Handy was in an interview with Curtis Sliwa, who was, who ran for mayor against Eric Adams in New York. He's uh leader of a new chapter of the uh, the Guardian Angels. And they they just they run around just beating up immigrants and they all have like matching costumes and shit. So they so they were on an interview, they're interviewing him, he was out in the street, and then his people jumped on a an a, an immigrant shoplifter 
which mm-hmm. turned out to either to, to be a not a shoplifter and b not an immigrant. He's actually an American citizen. And why did they jump on him and get in his face? Because he was speaking Spanish. Because as we all know, it's really rare to hear people speak Spanish in the in the Bronx. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> so and that's so, what happens with gentrification like basically so thank you Fox News for, but... for staying true to your roots and then they had to come back and do a whole retraction because you know they didn't want to get sued again but I'm pretty sure Sliwa and his people are going to get sued for that you know pushing the dude down the sidewalk and beating the shit out of him on national television when he didn't do shit and, and, and who backed him up uh, talk about the uh, the guy who got beat up, law enforcement. Because law enforcement, like, no, he's not a shoplifter, and no, he's definitely not a migrant. <laughs> so, uh I I gotta tell you, some things never change. I I want to give a shout out to Gina Carano for fumbling the bag and then realizing that the rest of the country is a cold, cold place. Gina Carano played a character on The Mandalorian for the first couple seasons. And uh, she was so popular on, even though, I mean, could she act? No, she's a terrible actress. But, you know, um, she's an athletic woman and people kind of liked her and she was actually going to get her own spinoff. But she just could not stop messing with the trans community. And she's purposely antagonizing them. And Disney pretty much told her to, hey, stop that. And then finally they had enough of her and then they, they, they uh they cut her from the show. Ah. Now they now they didn't kill her character, but they uh but they cut her from the show. So now um she went out to the uh, to the Daily Wire and the, now we're gonna be making the movies that we really want to make. And she made some movie recently and it made like ten thousand dollars worldwide. I'm not even making that show to be funny. It literally made like ten grand, you know, when it was showing out in theaters. So now she wants to sue Disney for wrongful um, termination years later, and then she wants to be recast on the, on the show again. No. Yeah, abs- absolutely not. You so, don't get she- to have it both ways. You don't get to alienate people who might be in your fan base. Um, because like last I checked, everybody's money is green. Even trans people's money is green. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, even if you really believe all the nasty things you might have said about members in that community their money still spends the same just like everybody else why it's just bad business like and that's why I love Wendy Williams she coined this phrase kitchen table talk like this is what you say when you're gossiping with your friends or whatever like and you're letting your true feelings out but you keep that shit at the kitchen table you don't bring it to your fucking work you just don't just like regular people like like you said earlier you don't talk about your apolitical company that you work for mm-hmm. um and then try to represent their views as or your views as their own like it's just bad business right exactly so no no ma'am you don't get to do that yeah and we didn't get to all the quick hits but there's one more thing i want to slide in before we wrap up and this is something where I need to find out more information about. One of the things I like about Substack is that I get these, you know, uh, 
I get some of the news that I don't normally see on mainstream media, mainly because I don't normally watch mainstream media, but no matter how no matter how much I try to avoid it, it always leaks into my feeds anyway. But uh, supposedly Connecticut is going to become the first state in the union to cancel medical debt. Hmm. So we're hoping this is something that's going to that's going to catch on. And maybe some states may, I mean, and this is just me reaching. Because like I said, I have to find I want to find out more about this and talk about it next week to find out some of the details of it. But uh maybe some states will be like, hey, well, you know what? If our people are really suffering with student loan debt, we'll just cancel it on our side. I don't know how that would work. It's a different whole thing altogether. Yeah, But you know, uh but I do believe but that yeah, medical debt should be canceled, especially when you have insurance. It's like, what the fuck? Like, I can't afford to get sick. Is that what you're telling me? Like, basically. or I can't afford to get can't afford to get well. Right. <laughs> That's really what it is. I can't afford to get well. It's like the it's like when Chris Rock talked about it many years ago. He was like, you know, and it came, mind you, we're going by like nineteen nineties numbers. He was like, you know, a heart transplant costs fifty thousand dollars, and then they tell you take it easy. Like take it easy. I gotta go to work right now. <laughs> so it's 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 a it's a great step in the right direction, and it, it kind of sucks in a way that states have to take on this responsibility, and that our federal government is too busy. with nonsense to deal with stuff that affects everyday people, but big props to Connecticut for taking that step. I'm going to find out more about it and we'll talk about it more next week. So Odie, what are your final thoughts? Sometimes there's good um, partnerships. Sometimes there's not so good partnerships. Um, Monica, you should not be going on tour with Nicki Minaj. That's it. Oh, yeah. That's it. That's all. That's like that's just not good for your brand. And honestly, you know, I've always fancied Monica as like a girl's girl too. Mm -hmm. So like to see her partner with somebody who's not a girl's girl, it's like, what are you doing? Like now, I now I kind of believe that you might be a nasty person. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to believe that until it actually happens. I, I like Monica. Oh no, she. I mean, yeah, as far as her character goes, but maybe it is just business, but it's bad business. I hope so. I'm just like, please don't be Nicki Minaj's friend because you know what's gonna happen. The next time you next time you cut a, a hit single, Nicki's gonna Nicki's gonna start talking shit about you and her music. Nah, she's not a she's not a threat. Monica's not a threat because she's an R and B girly. Nikki don't support girl rappers. Yeah, true. Like I said last week, she's she's a gardener who hates plants. So but all right. So uh Thank you guys so much for listening. You can catch us anywhere where you can get podcasts, including Apple and Spotify. So it looks like the weather's going to hold up today, at least for a little while. So go, well, at least out here in North Carolina, I can't speak for wherever else you are where you're listening. <laughs> but get out, get your stuff done, and uh, be safe out there. All right. Bye, guys.